All right. I think we're good. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. We're going to break down the entire UFC 267 Blahovich versus the Sheriff fight card. If you're new here, first of all, I'm sick. I don't normally sound like this. Also, I've managed fighters for 15 years, and now we do this. We break down cards. We give you our picks. We give you our bets, our fantasy plays. Dan Kramer will be joining us in a few minutes. He is running late because he literally had to get his passport renewed so he can fly out to Abu Dhabi and corner Glover Teixeira in this title fight. And then we have Jakey Boy here. He's just a skinny kid from Indiana, but sometimes he cracks a wise or two. It's a good time. Cracks, cracks a wise. <laughs> like, like old I'm going to get that say. tattooed on my neck. Cracks a wise. <laughs> so I'm going to break down this entire card, and we are going to start right now. Actually, before you go, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We are doing a $50 promo for anybody who creates an account, signs up, and makes a deposit for any of our three betting partners. 50 bucks from me to you. I've been paying people out left and right. Jump on that train before it ends. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. First up at UFC 267. And these names are going to be very tricky for me for the you first half it. of this card. You can do it, sweetie. But we have Tagir Ulenbekov versus Alan Nascimento. Ulenbekov, 12-1 and one overall. He is 4-1 and one in his last five, riding a four-fight win streak. Nascimento, 18-5 overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Tagir, he's a dominant Come forward, wrestler. And there is a theme on this card. A lot of these guys are dominant wrestlers, especially the first half of the card. Uh, but Tagir's a dominant come forward wrestler. He has just okay striking. Um, that That's really only there to set up his fantastic wrestling. He does have a nice jab, but right behind it is a takedown attempt. He only has one fight in the UFC, so the stats are wonky. He had five takedowns in that fight with only a 45% accuracy, which means in a 15-minute fight, he took 10 shots. Alan Nascimento, he's a fun striker. He likes to grapple or he can grapple. Uh, he doesn't have much to offer in the wrestling department, though, so he can't handle those transitions. Um, he has no problem getting into a brawl. He gets taken down and then works for sweeps and submissions from there. Uh, he has one fight worth of stats, stats, my goodness, one fight worth of stats as well. So his numbers are, are a little wonky uh, and they don't bode well for his wrestling. A measly, measly 10% takedown defense. And unfortunately for him, takedown defense will be the only thing that could prevent a one-sided loss. Uh, he does have okay power. He has the much more technical striking than Tagir does. But if he can't keep it on his feet, then he just can't win this fight. Uh, and even Allen's, you know, he has pretty slick sweeps and a ground game. That's not going to help him because Tagir's uh, base on top, his pressure is too good. Allen making his official UFC debut after a contender series loss three years ago. What are your thoughts, Jakey boy? And welcome yeah, you, back. Thank, thank you. It's so, it's so good to be back. I kind of forget how what's going on here, but uh, we'll try to work through it. Um, Listen, you mentioned there's a lot, a lot of Russians on this card with Tagir being one of them. And I honestly think that this was set up 
to like get the Russian crowd excited because I think Tagir is just going to absolutely destroy Allen. I think he should destroy him. Listen, I think he's got underrated striking, um, but he definitely is a wrestler. But he'll, he'll carry his hands a little bit low in those striking exchanges, and he will get hit. So Allen, you know, if he comes in with power, you know, there's a chance that Tagir gets gets caught, but he, he really shouldn't. Allen looks stiff to me. He mentioned his UFC debut. This is going to be a sub or bust fight for Allen. I mean, he's going to get taken down and he's just kind of kind of work and try to get an arm bar or something weird to happen because that's the only way this fight's going to go. Um, I like Tagir by complete mauling. The Russian crowd gets excited um, and this card gets off to a great, great start um, for all the Russians on the card. So I, I like Tagir in this fight and he's probably uh, going to find his way in my DraftKings lineup, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so too. I think, um, you know, the, the problem with this card, we have a lot of dominant wrestlers. And they're all very expensive. <laughs> we have, uh, th there may be more 9,000 plus fighters on this card than any other card we have ever broken down. It, it is crazy how many of these guys are over $9,000. So now you have to pick your spots. You almost have to look for wrestlers that can <clears throat> get a finish or can't keep you down. This way you get back up and they get takedown after takedown. <clears throat> after takedown, I'm very sick. Show goes on, so I'm just going to keep pushing through. But um, I agree. $9,400 is a lot of money. <laughs> you know, he's a dominant wrestler. Allen uh, isn't going to have anything to offer in the defense. So I imagine Tagir's probably worth that money. $6,800 on Allen. I don't know what you're going to get for that. What do you think of this Monkey Knife Fight strike line? I'd go less, less on this, honestly. Allen is super low volume. He doesn't really want to strike. Uh, Tagir... You know, he might, this might be one of those fights where he like tries to show off his striking. And a lot of times wrestlers will try and show off their striking in a big moment. It's a big card, the first fight. So, I mean, he could, he could eclipse that, but I think he's just going to get on the ground and, and just maul him and end it pretty quick. Um, so I would go to less, less on this probably. Yeah. Less, less could be interesting. The, uh, the 44 scares me, but you know, if he's on his back the whole time, I, I don't know what strikes he's going to get anyway. So less, less is probably the play monkey knife fight. Uh, you, you have your pick of fights on this card. We have 15 full fights and we will break all of them down. I have no bet on this fight, but what I might do with this or others, when I am positive that the favorite is going to win and not give up any ground or a round or anything, we always talk to, about those plus three and a half fights where I can buy points on a judge's scorecard and all my guy needs to do is win one round and I hit my bet. You could also subtract points so I might play with the odds on a Tagir Ulimbekov minus three and a half. And instead of being minus 340, I will now get like minus 100 odds. Now I got even money on a huge favorite. And all he has to do is not lose a round. He can win by stoppage, unanimous decision, 30-27. Just don't lose a round, they'll get paid. So I'm probably going to experiment with that in a couple of the fights on this card. Next up, at UFC 267, we have Demir Ismagulov versus Magomed Mustafaev. Demir Ismagulov, 23-1, 5-0 in his last five, coming off four straight decisions. This guy is a decision machine. Magomed Mustafaev, 3-2 in his last five, 14-4 overall, and he is coming off of a split decision loss to what boxing phenom striking phenom brad riddell two years ago 
Um, Demir came back after a two-year layoff and looked great in a win against Rafael Alves. He's very good everywhere uh, with the cardio to back it up. He's a smart fighter. He makes adjustments throughout the fight. He uses his length and his range for his striking and then works in takedowns almost at will. While he is very dominant, he is not a finisher. This guy is an absolute decision machine. Magomed, he's a good wrestler as well. He has solid hands and power. He's very comfortable striking. And um, as we've seen in a lot of his fights, he'll strike when he should grapple. He's almost too comfortable. Um, he's so comfortable striking, he mixes in spinning attacks when they're completely unnecessary. He doesn't always go to wrestling when he should. Uh, but he is capable enough on his feet that he doesn't always need to. He's not a disaster on his feet, right? He's he's okay and he's comfortable, um, which is good and it bodes well. But, you know, you got to stick to what you're good at at times. Uh, I mentioned he's coming off to uh, that loss to Brad Riddell. If you watch that fight, you can basically see in his head when he realized, I am not going to win a striking match here and just immediately started wrestling. He had eight takedowns in that fight eight takedowns in that fight uh his takedown defense on the other hand is just okay and if you back up a few years to his fight against kevin lee he gave up seven takedowns so he's sort of kill or be killed in the wrestling you can take him down and he can take you down um you know i i think this is pretty one-sided for demir especially when you factor in magomed's takedown defense but magomed's got power he's willing to strike so he at least has an opportunity to win this fight. What do you think? Yeah, I, I honestly see this as more of a pick em fight, honestly, because both these guys can wrestle, but both these guys love striking, man. These are wrestlers that love to strike. Demir will get into wild fights, and he'll throw some wild stuff. You saw Magomedov or uh, Mustavez um, beat Rafael Fiziev, who's like the, the the darling of everyone out, one of the, like a ridiculous kickboxer, hit him with a, like a spinning wheel kick or something and knocked him out or so, something like that. So I think there's going to be a ton of kicks. I honestly think that this, out of all, I mean, it's a great card from top to bottom. I think this fight is going to be the fight of the night. I think these are two wrestlers that like to strike. We'll get in a striking matching. There's going to be a lot of spinning stuff. There's going to be a lot of kicks, a lot of high kicks. I think something wild is going to happen in this fight. Um, so I see this as more of a coin toss, um, the way I see the fight going. If it is a wrestling match, I think Demir will win. I think he can get him on the ground, control them. But I think this is going to be a wild striking match. And I think it's more of a coin toss. And uh, so if I was a betting man, I think I would probably play that uh, plus 210 on the other side. Well, I would hope you're a betting man. That's literally what we do on this channel. Uh, I'm a little, obviously I'm more pro to here. here. I, I think he will wrestle. I think he'll force that pace. He has phenomenal cardio and he'll make it happen. If he, if he has success with the striking, then maybe he'll stick with it. But but I think he'll he'll rely on his wrestling and get that done. Now, what does concern me, I guess, in this matchup is Magomed has proven that if he's on the wrong side of some striking, he can make that adjustment and start wrestling. He doesn't have much to offer in the takedown defense department. He does have offense. And, and that's why it's, you know, I think DraftKings is more accurate than the odds, right? He's almost a three-to-one favorite. But DraftKings is like, all right, you're you're a moderate favorite under nine thousand dollars. I like Demir here. You like Magomed, so you like Magomed even if these were pick em odds, or you just like him because he's an underdog. I would like, I just like him because an, an an underdog because I see this as a pick em fight, so I'll take the odds as the underdog. But I yeah, wouldn't right. put him in my DraftKings lineup. No, I wouldn't do anything like that. Gotcha. 
Yeah, uh, this is one just like the last one, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think Demir at $8,700, probably decent value. You'll probably get some takedowns out of it. But if it's a just a sloppy striking match, you're not going to get any points. Monkey Knife Fight, I do like the more and more here. These are two, you know, battle-heavy guys. Demir is not finishing anybody, no matter how dominant he is. 32 strikes is nothing for Magomed. If it's striking the whole time, they'll blow past it. If Demir dominates with his wrestling, he'll blow past his line. And Magomed only needs 10 around, which should happen. So I do like the more and more hit those lines early because they move with the money. As the money comes in, the lines move. So we want picks.com slash MKF. They will give you a $100 deposit match. Use the free hundred bucks. Play these lines. We like the more and more here. You agree? 100% agree. Okay. That was odd. Very weird choice of sound to make. Next up, at UFC 267, we have Andre Petroski versus Yazong Hugh. Yazong Hugh, three and two in his last five, coming off two losses, and his entire career is his last five. He only has five fights in his career, coming off two losses, and he's still in the UFC, but it is what it is. Andre Petroski, three and two in his last five, if you include the ultimate fighter, and he has been alternating wins and losses. And I mentioned, this is a weird one. We have a guy with only five fights who's on a two-fight losing streak who is headed back to the UFC after a three-year layoff. None of that sentence makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, Skill-wise, Yuzong is tall. He throws heavy punches. He marches forward. Uh, he was a big underdog pick for me. He was scheduled to fight... Um, Alan Emadovsky a few months back, and I liked him in that fight um, uh, this past summer. And if you remember back from when I broke that fight down, uh, Joe Todoro, maybe hopefully you're watching now, Joe, told us that he found somewhere that Yuzong Hu is some incredibly high-level grappler. We haven't been able to sort of verify that, but I'll throw it back out there in case it's true. Um, but if you do check Yuzong's Instagram, he has gone through an absolute body transformation. He looks phenomenal, like absolutely phenomenal. He has spent these three years at the very least working out, right? We don't know what he's done with his skill set, but he has transformed physically in three years. Um, and, you know, if, if he has focused as much time and energy on his skills as he has his body, we could be in for a solid upset here. Andre Petroski. Very good wrestler. He's got good takedowns. His stand-up is just okay. It is loaded with power shots, but they're, they're just there for the wrestling. Big, heavy power shots to set up the wrestling. He is absolutely a wrestler, and his wrestling is pretty dominant. It's fast. It's in your face. Andre should win. He should be able to use the wrestling to get this done, but we did see him lose to Brian Battle on the Ultimate Fighter by not setting up his takedowns, uh, and that potentially could be a problem here. I mean, it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I do think there's uh, some upset potential here. You agree with me? Uh, actually, I, my whole analysis was going to be on how Petrovsky was going to dominate this fight. He should be like a five to one favorite. And then I had just remembered, like right when I saw his picture that we already saw Hugh, as you mentioned, his body transformation. We saw him weigh in and the guy looks absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and as you mentioned, it's hard to pick against him when it seems that someone's been working that hard. I will bring up the fact that he has popped for USADA once already. 
So that was when he was a heavyweight. He's came in, he's come all the way down to 185. So maybe there's some weird stuff going on. And so if he is on the juice, that gives you, you know, even more of an advantage in this fight. So um, I'm not, I'm going to have to like redo my whole analysis on this fight because I <laughs> forgot literally that, that, that Hugh was who he is now. So let me go back, reassess some things, and then I'll get back to you. Well, we have Amanda Hibas later, so I'm sure you'll have your, your uh, Instagram pick in that fight as well. So I got her, I got her, her gram up right now. Andre is a minus 245 favorite. Because of the wrestling, Yuzong Yu, his body of work is miserable. But Three his and body two coming off two losses. Uh, it looks like art, though. <laughs> He's th- Three and two coming off. <coughs> Sorry. Sick as hell. Three and two coming off two losses. Hasn't fought in three years. It would be a complete shot in the dark. I don't think I'm going to put any money on Yuzong Yu. But, you know, uh, Andre Petrosi is not very good. He's a good wrestler, but that's where it ends. His striking is just heavy for the wrestling. So I think uh, more and more is probably the play here. I think it'll be kind of a sloppy fight. Uh, I think they'll go at it. So I think more and more is probably the monkey knife fight play. Betting-wise, I'm not going to touch anything here. I I just don't know enough about anybody's durability to do an inside-the-distance decision no action. Like There's just too much going on here to make a call there. What do you think about DraftKings? Uh, DraftKings. Yeah, I don't know because the the eighty six hundred dollars is probably overvalued for him, and then you just don't know about Hugh. So, um, I wouldn't trust me enough for because seventy six hundred dollars. Maybe if he was like a sixty eight or a sixty nine or something like that, but seventy six is uh, you got to know what you're getting for seventy six. Yeah, and I told you I I was all over Yuzong in the Alan Emadovsky fight, but this is a different matchup, and you know, uh, regardless of how bad Petrovsky's stand up might be. He is a very good wrestler, and that is a dangerous skill to have. Next up at UFC 267, we have Makwan Amirakani versus Larone Murphy. Amirakani, two and three in his last five, coming off of two losses. And I said that correctly, two and three in his last five. He's got himself a bit of a losing streak. Larone Murphy, four and oh and one. In his last five, undefeated, he does have a draw in the mix there. Amirakani is better than his recent UFC run. He's a good grappler. He averages almost four takedowns per fight. He's a durable guy. He's got okay striking. He's got okay cardio. It does fade, but it is there. Uh, He's definitely closer to a first-round fighter than he is a three-round fighter, but he can push the pace when he needs to push the pace. You could argue in this matchup that he should be the favorite because his grappling but either way, this line is wide. Minus 340, that is a wide, wide line. Um, Lerone Murphy, very good striker. He moves incredibly well. He has a ton of power. Uh, he'll light up your body, then step completely out of the pocket and get out of striking range. His footwork is very good. He's dangerous on his feet. You might think he doesn't defend takedowns well because he's listed at 41% takedown defense but he has only been taken down seven times in his entire UFC career and six of them were in one fight. So those stats are skewed. You eliminate that one fight. All of a sudden his takedown defense is looking pretty good. Um, If you look closer at those takedowns, it means that he's getting back up. We just talked about this breaking down a fight earlier. He has a get up. He's getting back up. You take somebody down six times in a fight. That means he got up five times in that fight. And that will be important in this matchup against Amir Khani. 
I need to rest my throat. So why don't you give us your opinion while I take a trick? Uh, I will give you my opinion because we have what? We have, let's go through. We have, what was it? Guyana Wrestling. We have Arkansas Wrestling. I feel like there was another one. Was there, was it Korean Wrestling? I think there was something like Korean Wrestling maybe. And now we have Finnish Wrestling with Americani. I think, listen, if Hibas was not on this card, I think Amir Khani was going to be the lock of the week. Listen, Lerone Murphy is very good. Very, very, very good. But his takedown defense is suspect. You saw um, in the Zubera fight. He, he got taken down, and he had a tough time. getting. He got back to his feet, but he did have a tough time getting back to his feet. I think Amir Khani, he's done with the losing streak. He comes in, does what he does best, finish wrestling phenom, takes Lerone Murphy down. He's the backup lock of the week. $6,900 is the easiest money you could put in your DraftKings lineup. Listen, if I could trust Amir Khani's cardio, then he'd be my pick. Easy. No problem. He'd be my pick. Uh, he would stick to a wrestling game plan, get it done, take away the power, the movement of Lerone Murphy. Um, my concern is that with all the wrestling attempts, he is going to gas out um, and then potentially get stopped late in this fight. This is much closer than Vegas says. Vegas saying minus 340 is insane. I disagree with it. This is exactly where I will probably put down a plus three and a half. I just need to figure out if I think Amir Khan is going to get stopped or not. But plus three and a half bet, all that means is Amir Khan just has to win one round. One round. With his wrestling, especially the first round when he's fresh, he could take Larone down, beat him up a little bit, let Larone get back up, take him down again, have two takedowns in the first round, win that round, then get outstruck for two more rounds, and I will still get paid I will still hit that bet. Right now, he's plus 260. That plus three and a half, uh, where I'm buying three and a half points on Judge's scorecard, that'll probably be around plus 120. So it's not as good of odds, but it's insurance. The dude can get pounded on for two rounds, and I can still get paid. So we want picks.com slash bets. Bet online has those prop bets. If you sign up, make a deposit, let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. What are your thoughts on the Monkey Knife Fight line? Uh, more, more. I agree. I think it's a more, more. Uh, I do think they go at it, especially if I'm going to do the three and a half on Amir Khani. I don't think Amir Khani can finish Murphy. Murphy can certainly finish Amir Khani with that striking, especially if Amir Khani gasses. So that's what has me worried. But I do, you know, Amir Khani is like my pick, but by, by like this close with a question mark. Just because I like the grappling, Lerone Murphy's takedown defense. You know, I mentioned the stats are skewed because most of those takedowns were in one fight, but a takedown's a takedown. So it is what it is. We own picks.com slash bets. Make a deposit. Let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. I like the three and a half on uh, Americani. We'll see what those odds are when they pop up. Jacob, making fun of my voice. At least I showed up, Jake. At least I showed up. That is true. Somebody didn't quite make it. And Chris Riley, I'm going to have to edit this out for the individual video because it's too late and it doesn't flow. But Chris, this strike line is, or the round line's one and a half rounds. I like the over on that, Chris. But wasn't it like minus 150 or something? <clears throat> Sorry, this must be miserable to listen to, but it is what it is. <laughs> Next up at UFC 267, we have. <laughs> 
Mashal Alekjik, Olin Jacek versus Shamil Gamzatov. Mashal is a very good striker with really fast hands and a ton of pressure. He has power, but not a ton. And he does separate himself with his speed. So his speed sort of uh, replaces the power. What the hell is the word I'm looking for? He will trick you into thinking he has power because he's so fast. He will catch you with strikes that you didn't see coming. And they'll hit twice as hard because you didn't see them coming. He doesn't necessarily have knockout flat power. But speed is honestly more important than power. And he has a little bit, hides it behind the speed. And he's very dangerous on his fight. He, on his feet, he does have holes in the grappling. Shamil coming off a two-year laying, two-year layoff. Uh, he's a very good world-level grappler. He uses leg kicks to slow you down before he bullies forward to a takedown and then works his grappling from there. And this is one of the lines on the card that is honestly pretty accurate. This card is loaded with minus 300 favorites. There's like a minus 800. Like this card is crazy with the disparity between the fighters. I actually think this line is as close to accurate as we're going to get on this card. I would normally easily side with the wrestler uh, in Shamir, or Shamil, um, but a two-year-long layoff, and he's a grappler, not really a wrestler wrestler. Um, you know, so not bringing those takedowns to the table has me questioning what he could do. Uh, and you've heard my rants in the past about good jujitsu guys that can't wrestle. Uh, Michelle has the volume and the pressure to overwhelm Gamsatov. The issue is the giant gap on the ground. Like M Michelle would have to fight a perfect fight for 15 minutes to win because I feel like if he gets taken down, that's it. He has nothing to offer. Shamil can beat him up from there. Uh, I have to side with the more dangerous guy. And that is the grappler in Shamil. What do you think? Is this not Michael? Is it Mich Michelle? I thought it was just Michael. Uh, listen, man. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I'm going to call him Michael. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, the, the best part about this fight is going to be Michael's corner yelling yes. in Polish. It's the scariest thing you've ever heard in your life. It's like it's like a scary movie. Somebody yelling through a cave. Like blah, blah, blah. It's, it's terrifying, and it sounds incredible. That's going to be a lot of fun in this fight. But as you mentioned, Shamil, man. This dude is mean. You, you you say he's just a grappler. I think he's a wrestler. He's a Russian. He's a wrestler. What I see, I see blast doubles. I see uh, high crotch singles. I see. You bang. couldn't point those. You could I see not the bang. point excuse those me. takedowns excuse out me. on a doll. I excuse me. I see you, the thing where he grabs. I see the thing where he grabs his foot and puts lifts it like this, and then he trips him like that. I see the headlock, you know, this where you do that, and you twist them like that. He's got it all. He's going to get this fight to the ground. Um, Michelle or Michael, whatever your name is, I apologize. You're going to get the beat out of you. So uh, I like Shamil in this matchup. All right, you're going Shamil. I'm going Shamil. I'm a little uh, more worried about it than you are, but all is fair. Uh, I do like the odds, honestly. I think the odds are pretty accurate, where in some of the other fights, they're super, super wide. So $8,400, I think that's a solid price. With the first time we have a, a good guy that's priced affordably. I like $8,400. Very, yeah, very affordable. He should be probably 89-ish in, in my mind. I mean, Michelle is, is dangerous on his feet, though. I mean, Michelle, he, he, Michael, Michelle, he lost his last fight. That was, a, that was a bad decision. He lost that fight. Well, 
He also has a you know ton of experience, and the, the gap on the ground is the big issue. Monkey knife fight, interesting line. Forty eight is a little higher than what we've seen in some of these striker versus grappler matchups. What do you think? What'd you ask? Monkey knife fight? Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at uh, my no- I was looking at my notes. I'm seeing if I missed anything. I got pages of notes over here. It's crazy. Um, did you already give a pick or were you waiting on my? Jesus. What? What do you? How about you have an original thought? And then we'll <laughs> uh, less, less. Okay. Yeah, you're useless. Absolutely useless. What did and you say? Like, more, more? Oh, where's Jacob? Where's Jacob? Who cares? What Honestly, did you say? Did you give a pick? No, oh. I didn't. Uh, I said it's a tricky line because forty-eight Make is a pick. higher. What? Make a pick. I just said it's a tricky line. Forty-eight is higher than what we've been seeing. You know, I. It's it is it is probably less it is probably less less, but that is uh, one of the trickier lines that we have fifteen fights to pick from, so I'm not going to touch it. I may grab a inside the distance decision no action somewhere here, maybe on Michal, but we'll see what happens. And let's move on to the next fight. Next up. At UFC 267, we have Elizu Zaleski versus Benoit or Benoit Saint Denis. Denis, he's French. Uh, Zaleski, very good striker. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Hold on. Zaleski, 22 and 7, 3 and 2 in his last five. Benoit, 8 and 0, 4 0 and 1 in his last five. Zaleski, very good striker. He's got real power. He's very athletic, uh, and he could also be really dangerous on the ground. He, he's honestly similar to uh, a fighter that I used to manage, Cristiano Souza. He had that capoeira background. You probably don't know who Cristiano Souza is, but you do know Michelle Pajeda. Same athletic, striking, you know, Brazilian dance fighting capoeira back, background. Um, where he has real power, real athleticism, real cardio. It makes him a very dangerous guy. If we compare these two, there are miles between them as far as experience is concerned, 22 wins to eight, and then 10 years of fighting experience. Zaleski started his career 10 years before uh, Benoit made his pro debut. Benoit's a very good wrestler. Uh, he has really well-timed shots, a ton of pressure on top. He isn't a sort of cage-grinding wrestler. He is an actual lower-his-level Take a shot, attack the legs type, a legs type wrestler, and I love to see that. Uh, when he gets it to the ground, he has good pressure. He works for submissions. Uh, he's got a ton of power in his feet, and he does stick to that game plan. And he brings that sort of heavy handedness to the ground. Uh, I'm going to side with the underdog here. I like Zaleski, athletic, dangerous, good forward pressure, really good wrestling. I, I, I you know, I, I like it. You I said like you're going to side with the underdog. You just picked the favorite. No, good. For, I, well, I, yeah, I, no. I'm going with Benoit, the underdog, the wrestler. Yeah, well, okay. That makes sense. But you said, I'm going to I'm gonna side with the underdog, Zaleski. I was like, wait, what's going on here? So Yeah. I, no, nah, it's sick. fine. I'm Listen, sick. Cut me some slack. Benoit better get to this fight to the ground and get it to the ground fast. You mentioned Zaleski and his capoeira. He's like one of the only people you met. You mentioned Michelle Pajeda. Him and Michelle Pajeda, it's like 
they actually use the capoeira. Everyone always does like the stupid stuff, like like late in the round, they'll throw it like randomly. Connor used to do it all the time, like just to throw it out there. But they actually use it, and he actually knocks people out. He knocked out Sean Strickland with the capoeira as a spinning heel kick. Just hit him right in the, clean on the chin. So uh, Benoit better get this fight to the ground and better do it fast. Otherwise, he's going to be in a lot of trouble with a lot of those weird striking coming at him. So um, I don't disagree with the Benoit pick. Uh, I just think that Zaleski is going to be able to hold his own, even if it goes around with scrambles and stuff like that, to get back to the feet and win the striking. So uh, I'm going to go Zaleski on this. Not super confident. I don't like the $8,500, but um, uh, if I had to pick, I would pick Zaleski. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the athletic capoeira spinning, like it can be frustrating. It can be confusing. But because of Benoit's wrestling style, like if he was a hold you against the cage work from there, it actually would be harder because he's got to get, he's got to hold you against the cage. He's got to get close enough to do that with uh, Eliza's spinning and the kicks and things like that. All Benoit has to do is lower that level. Bang, hard double right up the middle, catch a leg. Even if he doesn't catch it, just lower the level and go run right through it and he'll be fine. So I, I like the style of wrestling versus the style of striking. So I'm good with the 7,700 bucks for sure. A money line bet. <clears throat> I don't know yet. I'm still thinking about it because the reality is he is only 8-0. This is a big step up in competition for him, and it's a big test. So we'll see if that moved to plus 170. I'd hit it in a second. We'll see. You guys know me. I'm up units every single week for, like, what, six months, seven months now? And it's because I pick my spots. I take my time. I don't force anything. I only do a couple a week. So we'll see if he makes the list. I, I just, the inexperience is the only thing that worries me there. Monkey knife fight, this line is right down the freaking middle. And I hate these. What do you think? No, you pick first. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk first. I'll pick first. You can just ride my coattails. So I bet that's I, what I'm trying to do. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> well, uh, you know, maybe, uh, oh man, I don't know. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not even going to attempt because more and more, more and more, I'd go more and more. More and more is probably safer because I do think it goes three full rounds. But 58 strikes, that's a lot of spinning. That's a lot of landing on Benoit. And if he gets lit up that much, that could be a problem. So that's the only reason. That's the only thing that worries me. I think Benoit is fine with, with going over 45. The 58 is what worries me. So like the underdog here, I think it's the first underdog we've picked tonight. So we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC 267, we have Albert Duraev versus Roman Kapilov. Albert 5 and 0 in his last 5. Uh coming off a win just last month off contender series 14 and 3 overall in his career. Kapilov 4 and 1 in his last 5 coming off a submission loss almost 2 years ago. So another guy with a long layoff. Um, this card is stacked with nasty wrestlers, and Albert Durev is another one on that list. He has very good takedowns, very good top pressure, very good ground and pound. He sets up his Greco-style takedowns with leg kicks and cage bullying. He's got a pretty basic game plan, but stopping him from executing it is not an easy thing to do. And if you don't know what I mean when I say Greco-style takedowns, there's three different styles you, of wrestling. You want me, you want me to handle this? I would love to hear you explain. No, no go ahead. Actually, you no, go. No, I actually, would love. 
So first, first of all, <laughs> so you have like high school, you know, you do the thing with the tights, you know, then you have the Olympics and they do the thing. And then uh, I think there's something. Uh, yeah. yeah, Olympics, no, yeah. So, solid insight. High school wrestling that you've seen is folk style wrestling. And America is the only country that does it. Nobody else does it. So once you start competing internationally, there's two styles. Freestyle, which is the more common one. Jordan Burroughs, shooting takedowns, picking people up, all of that. And then Greco wrestling. That is what uh, Daniel Cormier went to the Olympics for. You cannot touch the legs at all with your hands. It's all upper body, trips, hip tosses, things like that. So Albert Duryev's wrestling is that sort of Greco style where he comes in, he looks, he stays upper body, he works trips, he works body locks. He's not dropping down to your legs. Kapilov, very good kickboxer. He's had success in the kickboxing world. Before MMA, outside of MMA, he competed in kickboxing and did well. Uh, he is a low output guy though. He does pick his shots. He tends to throw one strike at a time. Uh, while he sort of settles in, and then he'll weave together some combinations. If you look at his loss, he was taken down. Um, where the hell did I just go here? Carl Robertson. If you look, my throat is, I'm sick as hell. If you look at his loss, he was taken down one time and submitted, uh, submitted the cornering. The concerning part is that it only took one single takedown. So his last fight in the UFC, that loss, that submission, one single takedown got him to the ground, and then he was submitted. He couldn't work his way back up. He couldn't work his way out. Down, submitted, and done by a kickboxer. That was not him versus a nasty grappler versus a nasty wrestler. That was done by another kickboxer. Roman striking is legitimately good. But the issue is the wrestling. Will his wrestling be there? What's that going to look like? Two years off, we're in the dark with what improvements he's made, what improvements he hasn't made. And honestly, even if he has spent two full years wrestling, I don't know if he's going to be able to cover enough ground to stop Durayev. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, there's uh, there's levels. And as you mentioned, he could wrestle every single day for the last two years, and I still don't think it's going to matter. Um, I see this as, I honestly, at minus 275, I think is still good value for Albert. I, I see this as like a four to one, uh, fight, especially because of that layoff. And, and, and Albert just, like you mentioned, fought a month ago. So he's fresh, he's coming in, he's got his timing, he's down, boom, boom, next fight. Um, I see this as another just absolute, absolute mauling, but this could be a, uh, a boring mauling. Um, this could be one of those where he takes him down and just kind of controls him, controls him, controls him, and doesn't really look for the finish quite as much. Um, so the $9,200, there's a lot of high price people on this card. Uh, I would look maybe at that $9,200, depending on how I, my underdogs lay out. But, um, I definitely like Albert in this fight for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty straightforward, pretty cut and dry. Obviously Roman has striking, could make something happen. I doubt it, but he could make something happen. Um, this is another one where I, I will not spend the minus 275, but I might experiment with a minus three and a half. So again, removing three and a half points from the judge's scorecard, instead of paying minus 275, and we just got a comment in the live chat that he's now minus 345. So these odds have moved dramatically. I said, uh, I said four to one and look what happens. I mean, so instantly, boom. Everyone's coming. watching is, right now. You can sort of handicap them. 
I can subtract points from the judge's scorecard, and now I can get him at minus 150, and all he has to do is not lose a round. He can win by stoppage, submission, KO, win a 30-27, just can't lose a round, and I'll get paid. So I'm going to check those odds out. With these dominant wrestlers that will likely not give up any rounds or ground, those are probably solid bets. You're only going to get them at weonpicks.com slash bets. Bet online, that partner has those crazy prop bets. Jump into that, make a deposit, let me know. I'll send you 50 bucks. I will probably spend the $9,200, the first fight of the card. We talked about a $9,400 fighter, which, you know, there's so many of these dominant wrestlers in the 9,000 range. Saving 200 bucks and going for Durayev instead of somebody else, I think uh, is absolutely worth it. Uh, what do you think there? You think you, yeah, that's you not a bad play. And I also have my yeah. notes too. When I was watching tape on, on Durayev, I think he's honestly going to be a real problem for the middleweight division. I think he's he's that level good. I think he can be a top 10 guy. And really, I don't know if he can be the, a title guy because at some point you really do have to strike. Um, we'll see what happens with Brunson, if he can go all the way with just wrestling. But eventually you will have to strike. And I don't think he's going to be – quite there with the striking but i think he's gonna be a top 10 guy one of those just gatekeepers that's there forever and just knocking everyone down that tries to take his spot so uh, i like Duryev a, a lot with his uh with his abilities yeah I, I agree and honestly it's probably more and more with the strike line because he's busy on top he's got he's got good pressure good volume 24 strikes from roman that one actually worries me because he is not a high volume guy so he's already low volume and he's fighting a dominant wrestler so 24 you still, you almost just have to go. I mean, that is not a lot. If if you don't think there's a stoppage, so you think this dude's going to fight three rounds, he's got to land 24 strikes, right? In in 15 minutes, every little strike counts, including the ones when Albert's coming in. We mentioned Greco-style wrestling. That's upper body stuff. So Roman could be working here and trying to circle out. So I, I got to go the more and more Monkey Knife fight. $100 deposit match. We on picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC 267, we have Zubura Tukhugov versus Ricardo Ramos. Zubura, 19 and 5 overall, 2, 2 and 1 in his last five. Ricardo Ramos, 15 and 3 overall. Ramos. Ramos. Was he a lock of the week at one point? No. I believe he might have been. I think oh. that uh, we're on our way to maybe back to back then. Oh, boy. Wow, this is interesting. Boy. I'm sick. Ricardo Ramos. Ramos. 15-3 and three overall, 3-2 and two in his last five. Look, Zabura, another very good grappler. Actually, I think uh, it's Ramos. Medio... What? He's, he's Brazilian, so I think it's Ramos. So I think we are wrong either way. Okay. Zabura, very good grappler, mediocre stand-up, and just okay cardio. The problem is that his wrestling is solid enough to get him wins. He gets by with his wrestling even though his cardio is not great and his striking definitely isn't. Uh, he does not need to be a complete fighter to put together these wins. He just needs to lean on that wrestling and on that grappling. Uh, he charges forward, gets a takedown, works from there. Uh, if he can't get takedowns, that's when he's in trouble. And we have seen that with him in the past, especially as the fights go on, he starts to wear down and becomes less and less effective. Ricardo Hamos, because he's Brazilian, is a very dangerous fighter who's good everywhere. He's tall, rangy, solid striker with slick jujitsu. He's got high kicks, spinning kicks, a great jab, solid leg kicks, 
And if it hits the ground, he's always looking for a submission, and he's really fast in those transitions. He's he's a complete package. He's he's very good. Uh, another guy where wrestling isn't great. Takedown defense just okay. Um, sorry, better than okay. It's actually seventy three percent. The odds would make you think that Ricardo Ramos or Hamos uh, is pretty useless on the ground, right? I mean, they're not crazy odds, but it's almost two to one. So and and Zaibura has no striking at all. So the odds makers must have been like, oh. Ramos can't do anything on the ground, so there we go, two to one favorite, um, and and that's all that Zaibura needs to do is get it there. But R- Ricardo's dangerous on the ground, and he can not only touch him up, uh, touch up uh, Zaibura as he's charging in for one of those sloppy takedowns, he can hit him there. But once he's on the ground, he can work there as well. This is a honestly a pick him to me, and I flip flopped on this pick a bunch of times over. The last thing I'll say before I hand it over to you is. Uh, Zaibora's takedown accuracy is only 46%, whereas Ricardo Hamos's takedown defense is 73%. And I do think he'll probably need that because even though he's capable on the ground, I don't I don't think he'll be able to throw up a submission. So what do you think? No, he better not get taken down. Um, Ricardo was the lock of the week. The second I saw was looking at this card, and obviously he bosses on it, and we'll get the he boss here in a little bit. Um, but as I was looking at this card, Ricardo Ramos, that's my boy, and he was going to be the lock of the week again. And then I started digging into the film a little bit. And his takedown defense, what did you say it was? Is like 70-some percent? 73. I, yeah, I don't believe that. It sucks. It's not any good. <laughs> He'll get to he, – if 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 Zyburra gets to him, he's going to get taken down. But Ricardo is so good at keeping range, and that's what I love about him. His striking is like that karate style. He'll throw some front kicks out there. He'll keep pushing you back. It's hard to really get inside um, where he's at. But if it happens, Ricardo's got to win the scrambles, man. He can't be on his back. As you mentioned, he's got really good jiu-jitsu, which could be a deficit for him because he might just pull guard and try to work his jiu-jitsu, and that's how he's going to lose the fight. He's just got to scramble out of it, threaten some missions to get out of the positions, to get back to his feet and use his range. So I really, really, really wanted to put Ricardo as my lock of the week. I still like the value at $7,900, but he's just got to keep that range, man. He cannot get taken down and try to use his jujitsu. He cannot do it. So uh, I like Ricardo in this, but Zabira can easily just control this fight. He, he can. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it. And I ultimately ended up with a, obviously you guys can tell I'm reading notes here, right? I'm not a newscaster. Uh, I have like next to my pick a question mark next to Zybora, which is like, I'm not, I'm going with him because he does have enough wrestling to hold somebody down and just ride out a pretty crappy decision. But his striking is not good at all. His takedowns are not very good either. That's what had me flip-flopping. But I do think the ability to take Hamos down and hold him down um, probably gives him a very slight edge. But, you know, uh, money-wise, Hamos is is the better spend. And this is one where... I'll probably look at the plus three and a half points right now. He's plus plus one forty on the betting odds. If I can get him at minus one fifty, and all I need him to do is win one round on the judges scorecards. I that's very possible. He can win a round, especially with Zybora's mediocre cardio in round three, especially there. So there, there's definitely some spots in this fight. I do like them more and more. I think they go at it. I think it's a long fight. Full 15 minutes. What do you think here? Uh, yeah, I love the more and more on this one. Honestly, I, I, I absolutely love the more and more. 
Yeah, and uh, DraftKings, 8,300, 7,900. Listen, if you guys don't know, we have a free DraftKings league. Go to wewantpicks.com slash DraftKings. Jump into the league, sign up, play. If you've never played before, it is a ton of fun and it costs you nothing. And if you win, I will send you money. If you are a subscriber, I'll send you 15 bucks. So if you're watching this and you don't subscribe, click the subscribe button. If you're a member, I send you 30. There's a join button under the video. Click that, play for free, win some money. We on picks.com slash DraftKings. I did that whole rant because... Is Dan here? Scarface VP was asking about DraftKings. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Is Dan here? Uh, he's texting. We'll see if his, he'll, he'll be here. I'm just going without him. <laughs> what a bum. He's pretending he has a phone call. He'll be here. All right, let's go. Next up, at UFC 267, we have the feature prelim fight. We have Featured. Amanda Hibas versus Verna Jandaroba. Amanda Hibas, 10-2 overall, 4-1 in her last five, coming off of that KO loss to Marina oh. Rodriguez. Verna Jandaroba, 17-2 overall, 3-2 in her last five. We've got two very good grapplers that are going to go at it. Amanda is a complete fighter. She started her career as a grappler. Uh, she's added in the striking. She's comfortable everywhere. Her striking stats are fantastic. She has a four-to-one striking differential, which means for every four strikes she lands, she is only hit one time. On top of that, her takedown defense is a solid 85%. She famously handed Mackenzie Dern her first loss and she outstruck her more than three to one and even got her own takedowns without much concern for being submitted there. Verna Janaroba, also fantastic on the ground. Her striking is just okay, but she hits hard and she throws with solid volume. She doesn't have much head movement, and the stats tell that story as well because for almost every two strikes that she lands, she gets hit three times. So she's on the wrong side of that striking differential. There are no secrets to her game plan. Throw big, heavy punches. Look for a takedown. Um, she's probably the better, the better pure grappler, but so is Mackenzie Dern, and, and that didn't work out for her. If we talk about past the victory, Verna basically only has one, which is a submission, whereas Amanda can win striking. Amanda can win a decision. Amanda can get some takedowns. Um, we, we talked a lot on this card about odds that are too wide. Uh, I don't think these are wide enough. I already have a money line bet on Amanda Hibas, minus 155. I imagine that will move. I just don't see her losing to Janaroba, who has just okay takedowns, and her jiu-jitsu is not as good as Mackenzie Dern's. Jacob, please go on your Amanda Hibas rant. I can't. I honestly can't believe you are so anti Amanda Hibas. I cannot believe that not only are you picking her, but you made her your lock of the week. That's insane. This Amanda Hebas is a lock of the week. And I want to say a few things uninterrupted, please. First of all, Verna was outstruck and lost a striking match to Mackenzie Dern. Listen, I love Mackenzie Dern. She's not a striker. And she just out jabbed and outstruck Verna to a decision win. That doesn't, so, that doesn't sit well for Verna in this matchup. Amanda is the better striker. She's the better at judo. And she's better at jujitsu. I don't care what Werner's accolades are. She's better. She's better 
everywhere in this fight. This is the odds should be minus 900 for Amanda. I agree with you completely, Angelo. These should be minus 1,000, minus 5,000. I would bet Amanda at minus 10,000. This is the ultra lock of all locks. Listen, this might be the first time that we ever see someone get in a clip situation and hip toss somebody out of the octagon. I'm honest to God, I think Amanda Hebas might hip toss her outside of the octagon for a disqualification win. Amanda's going to win. This is the easiest pick on the entire card. Easiest pick of the century. I almost hate that I picked her now because I had to listen to that ridiculous rant. I do think, you know, listen, I have the money line bet on her. I think she wins. You're being ridiculous. Um, $8,200, I'll probably spend it. <clears throat> I don't know how well she'll score, but $8,200 is not a lot of money. So I'll spend that in DraftKings. Monkey Knife Fight, honestly, probably the more and more. It, it most likely goes to a decision. Verna will probably struggle to get past 46. That's the only problem with that more and more. What do you think there? This is actually kind of tricky for Amanda because with Vol if this stays striking, I agree, Verna is tough enough. This is probably going to be a decision. It's probably going to be a more and more. But as you mentioned, Hebas with that, you know, that bad stoppage, apparently knocked out last fight, you know, whatever. She might come in and go back to her game plan, and that's just judo throw people to the ground and try to work submissions because that's what she does best. So that's 84 is real tricky. It depends on her game plan. And I'm, I say it, I've been watching the embeddeds. Amanda, you've been looking great on the embeddeds. Uh, but also when she's hitting pads, man, it looks like she's really, really been working on her striking, working on her kicks. She was throwing a lot of kicks in the embedded. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so I don't really love playing that 84 and a half. I'll probably stay away from this one, honestly. Yeah, it, you know, it, it is an interesting strike line, but we mention this all the time. These lines move with the money. So maybe it'll move in a direction that you like and the general public is wrong. So we'll see what happens there. But either way, we on picks.com slash MKF. Jump in. They will give you a $100 deposit match. You don't have to play this line. You can play the others, and it's every single sport, not just UFC. And I, and I, and I will mention just real quick, I did propose to Amanda, waiting response, will update. Okay. Uh, here's a funny story. Very quick for everybody. No, we don't. Yeah, no, we will. Uh, uh, one of my friends that Jacob is in a, in a group chat with knows Amanda well. He was a, a coach at American Top Team, knows her well. And Jacob in the group chat, me, Dan, this other person, a few other people, Jacob was like, oh, so-and-so. I'm not going to say who. So-and-so, do, do you have Amanda's number? Tell Amanda this. Tell Amanda uh, just how Jacob flirts. And the dude just replied, but here's her contact information, like her straight up contact card. And what'd Jacob do with it? What'd you do with it? I mean, that's why I just proposed. We've been dating behind. I didn't want to bring this up, but we've been dating uh, in the private for, for a year now. Uh, I think we're ready to bring it public. That's why I proposed okay. her on Twitter. So Jacob did nothing. Waiting for a response. I'm waiting for a response. Was we'll literally on. given her contact information. Her she has liked a few her. of my tweets. She has liked a few of my tweets. Yeah, You sent pictures of your dogs. What a what a cheesy well, I, move that it's is. It's my account. It's not my dog's account. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we're moving on. Next up. At UFC 267, we have Magomed Ankalaev versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Ankalaev 5-0 and in his last five, 15-2 overall in his career. Ozdemir, 17-5 in his career, 2-3 in his last five, coming off of a KO loss to Jiri Prohachka. Ankalaev is a long kickboxer. He uses range well. He has devastating kicks. 
and he will throw those kicks right up the middle, almost like Anderson Silva when he knocked out Vitor Belfort. He has power in his hands, his power in his feet. Uh, he's very versatile. <clears throat> I'm very sick. Uh, if he does get in trouble striking, he has a wrestling backup game plan. Uh, he averages more than one takedown per fight, and both of these guys have great takedown defense. Engelayev at 85%. Vulcan at 80%. So I'm not too sure if this will end up on the ground. Vulcan, also a striker, more of a boxer than a kickboxer. He does have kicks, but they aren't very natural, and he keeps them very low, low uh, to your legs. <clears throat> he has forward pressure style with legit power and volume. He throws his hands hard, and he throws them often. If you watch his fight against Jiri Prohachka, it was basically a battle of the chins. They just went at it. Um, mirror images of each other, heavy power, no head movement, no regard for their own chins. Unfortunately for Vulcan, Jiri's chin held up better, and the odds what they are uh, in this fight because of Vulcan's chin. Uh, his forward at all cost style is going to be a problem here with Ankalov's power and movement. And I'll pause there. We'll welcome in this absolute bum who hasn't joined this show in six months and is probably on mute. So, am I on no, mute? No, All right. That would have been perfectly fitting. What's going on, everybody? Six months, that's an exaggeration. I've uh, taken Dan, your money Dan, last. Dan, real quick, why don't you just start with an apology if you're going to do anything? Honestly. I apologize to everybody except for Angelo. He, he's coming that. out a little aggressive. I wasn't planning to start like that, but uh, I do apologize. I've been busy. I don't know. Whatever Angelo says is not the truth, but uh, busy working, traveling, doing a bunch of things, but I'm going to get back in here uh, full-time as soon as I can. Um, but, yeah, good to be back here tonight, ready to uh, – Brawl and mall, baby. Brawl and mall, old school, right? So I'm doing, I got a lot of things going on right now, Angela, right? I got the UFC emailing me. I got American Airlines. I'm on hold with them. Uh, they gave me the hour callback option. Then they called me back and put me on hold again. So uh, just, you know, let's go. Let's talk some fights. Right. I have no valuable information, by the way, so I'm just here to hang out. All right, fair enough. At least you know you know your role here, Jacob. What are your thoughts on this fight now that you have become the expert? Oh, oh, uh oh. Uh, well, that's not going to be good for. He's all choked up. <laughs> that's not going to be. No, that's I come not going to be good. Five minutes and Jacob's getting choked up. No, it's it's funny because this is the fight that like you shouldn't pick the underdog, and I'm about to pick the underdog, and I honestly think this is more of a pick em fight. If you look at Volkan's Volkan's resume, this is who he's lost to: Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes was a split decision, and then against Jiri, he had Jiri hurt. Nobody has Jiri hurt. He hits hard enough to where in the first round, Jiri was literally like running around the octagon, running away from him because he was that hurt. So I think this is going to be power for power, and honestly, I think this is a pick 'em fight. I mentioned the fight earlier in the card where I didn't really know either side, but I felt like it was a pick 'em fight. So if I think it's a pick and fight and I get the plus 260 odds, I'll take a shot at Volkan that his his chin holds up and uh, he has the power to to put down Ankalov. Listen, I know Ankalov is good because I picked against him twice against Kutalaba for whatever reason. So he's burned me twice already. So everyone should probably pick Ankalov because I'm picking against him again. Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah. At least you advise people to do the correct pick. I just, I just – you know. It is striker versus striker, but 
Vulcan's chin just isn't there. And without the chin, how are you going to hang with a guy like Ankalov? So that is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to spend the 9100 bucks though, even though he's probably live for a knockout. To me, this is more of a knockout Kings fight. I think you throw Magomed and knockout Kings and monkey knife fight, get yourself a, a nice little payout there. You only need one of three guys. If you like him enough to do a knockout prop bet, we want picks.com slash bets. Jump into one of the three promos, make a deposit, let me know, and I'll send you $50. Danny boy, I know you've done no research whatsoever. You've been way too busy. You have a thought here? Uh, I do, actually. I'm going to apologize in advance, though, because I do. I literally still am on hold of American Airlines, so you're going to hear the light elevator music in the background. And if they do answer, I'm going to mute myself. And, Angela, you can take over and make up whatever you want to make up. Um, no, Jake, I actually agree with you here. I think, uh, I think there is some value on Vulcan. Um, listen, Ankalov's the favorite for a reason, but I think there's some value on him. I think they're, they're both good strikers. They both have fought tough competition. Um, and I would say Vulcan's been in there with the tougher of the fighters, right? Um, Ankalov went to a decision with Nikita Krylov, um, so, you know, overall striking wise, I, I think this is a matchup where both guys can look good. I do agree with you. The chin could be a problem with uh, with Vulcan, but in terms of skill set, I think this could be this should be a much closer fight than the odds say than the DraftKings odds say. Um, it's just the chin of Vulcan that, that worries me a little bit. If he had an iron chin, I'd be I'd be all over him at 7100 or plus 260. But um, Ankalov can hit can hit hard. Um, so I like the value in Vulcan. I don't know if I'm going to bet it, but I'm definitely going to, uh, I don't know if Angelo told you guys, but now, you know, I, I won, uh, what was it? 8,500 bucks, uh, DraftKings a couple weeks ago. hundred of that was from Angelo, by the way, uh, 150 maybe. Um, but now I'm going to definitely be doing some decent exposure to Vulcan in, uh, the GPP DraftKings entry after DraftKings banned me. I'm on a mission now. To literally take it doesn't affect them at all. They just get commission. So on a mission to win and give DraftKings more commission. Yeah, obviously I'm on the Ankalaev side, but I, I do see value in the 7100. I mean, I, I think the odds are wide, but it, it, the odds are what they are just because of Vulcan's chin. So we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC 267, we have Jing Yang Li versus Kamzat. Shimaev, Jingliang Li, 18 and six overall, four and one in his last five. Kamzat Shimaev, nine and zero overall, five and zero in his last five. Coming off of those three UFC wins in two months, if you remember, he was the COVID hero last year. He was the Fight Island hero. He fought three times in two months in a couple different weight classes. Just kept showing up, winning, showing up, winning, and then he got COVID, and it like put him down. He retired. He hasn't fought in a year. Then he came out of retirement and it basically destroyed him physically. And he was very open about that. Um, <clears throat> Jing Lang is a very good boxer. He's got volume. He's got legit power. He mixes in low kicks to slow you down before sending uh, power hands right over the top. Uh, so you might be listening to this and saying like, all right, he's a great boxer. He's got good power. Why is he a plus 330 underdog? 
Uh, and that's because he does have holes in the grappling. He does not have much of a grappling game. He isn't a complete fish out of the water, but he only has a 59% takedown defense, and that is not going to be enough to keep Shimaev away. Uh, Shimaev, he's an interesting guy to break down because he's very good, uh, but I think he's overrated. I don't know about anybody else, but I, I definitely think he's a little bit overrated. With that said, he's got good wrestling, good grappling, uh, good ground and pound. He's got legit hands on his feet. He sets a really good pace, and he's always throwing something. Uh, he has that sort of Khabib-style chain wrestling um, with an added layer of striking. He's more comfortable on his feet. Um, but the stats are insane here. And, and honestly, you can't do much with them because it's such a small sample size. Only three fights in the UFC. They were pretty quick, and they were back-to-back. -back, but they tell you that for every nine significant strikes that Kazmat lands, he's only hit 0.1 times. Not one time, 0.1 times. So you can't really dig into the stats here. Uh, honestly, Shemaev is the pick, but that's only because Styles make fights and Lee isn't going to be able to defend those takedowns. I do think Shemaev is overrated. I'm going to take him in this fight. He'll immediately get a bigger name, and I'm going to fade him in that fight for sure. Jakey boy, what do you think? These odds are like really disrespectful to Lee, honestly, because he is a really good fighter and should be respected as such. Where, as you mentioned, Shimeyev, and I love Shimeyev, and I think he probably will win this fight. But these odds being, you know, four and a half, three, three to one on the other side is crazy to me because Jin Ling has the experience and he, he's going to know what to do in there. And Shimeyev, you know, it could be a, you know, you know, it could have just been like a, a weird kind of like the the NBA bubble when everyone just all of a sudden weird players were playing in the bubble. It could be a fight Island thing where it's just like a weird thing. But to me, Shimiev is a real deal. You watch the embedded. He talks about now he only, not only does he want to win the fight, but he wants to eat Lee. He wants to like, it's like <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever heard. It was like disgusting and disturbing at the same time. He lives this stuff, man. I think that's why COVID messed him up so bad was because he couldn't train. They, they talked about how he kept trying to train, even though he was sick. I think it destroyed him more mentally than physically to not be able to be in the gym. And now you watch the embedded, you watch these flips he's doing. He looks fantastic. I think he absolutely loves, loves fighting. Some people do, some people fight because they're good at it. And some people fight because they absolutely love it. I think he is both. He is the real deal. I like Shimiev in this fight, um, but I still think those odds are a little disrespectful to Lee. Yeah, I completely agree because Lee is super tough. So I actually think he's a good candidate for a wins inside the distance decision, no action bet, because I'm pretty confident he won't get stopped. So that'll protect me. I'll get a refund as long as he doesn't get stopped. And then if he wins with, a, you know, he's got real power. So if he can win by stoppage, make something happen, I'll get paid. I'll hit that bet. So I will probably look to do that. I got to see what the odds are, but bet online again, the only place that has those prop bets wheelpicks.com slash bets, jump into the bet online, they'll match your deposit and you can get sort of those safety net bets that I like to do. DraftKings, I'm not spending the $9,500. That's just so much money. And it's not as much as Islam. We'll see Islam in a minute. Are you going to spend 9,500 bucks? Uh, I have to look at it. It depends. On, honestly, it'll probably, it'll probably be how I feel when I wake up on Saturday. Honestly, just because there is so many favorites and they all have the same style, right? It's all they all want to get to the yeah. ground. So it's it's kind of tough. Well, for DraftKings, you almost need to find, and I mentioned this earlier, these dominant wrestlers that can't hold people down. So you can at least get the five points, five points, five points, five points. 
because you take somebody down, you hold them there. That's it. You only get. Yeah, I mean, look at Chimiev too. I mean, he's all finishes too, and that's what you're trying to chase too in DraftKings. So yeah, he's probably a good candidate, but but uh, Lee is pretty tough. Uh, I, honestly, I don't know what to do with the Monkey Knife fight line because I do think Lee is tough and I think he can survive. But 71 is a ton of strikes for Shimaev. 30 is nothing for Lee. So this may be a less more situation. What do you think? Yeah, I would probably play. I like the less more on that. Yeah. Danny boy, he's joining us. You haven't been able to do your research. You're traveling like crazy. You're on hold with American Airlines because you're literally flying out to Fight Island, to Abu Dhabi to be with your buddy Glover. Are you going to corner him officially or you're just going to be there? No, I mean, I don't think so. No, it's literally, I got my passport today, by the way, Angelo, I think uh, you made, or did we make a bet? Did we bet a dollar amount we on that? Not, we did not bet. I just said oh, you weren't going to be so able to lucky. do it. Yes. No, I got it today. I'll save the story for later. It's a good one. But Angelo was very, very uh, doubtful of my ability to get a passport. Um, yes. Three days. Doubtful, I would say is more accurate, but um yeah, pulled it off, got it today. So I had a flight booked, but I'm just switching it to try to get there a little earlier. So um, anyways, yeah, on this fight, um, I think this is going to be Shemaev's first big test, right? Like he's got the hype, he's got the name, he's got the wrestling. Well, he's built the name with with a lot of the hype and the talking, but um, – and he's good. You know, listen, he, he's looked awesome in all of his fights, but the level of competition he's fought, I don't think – necessarily justifies everybody being sold on him quite yet. Um, this is going to be a tough test for him, but I think both of you guys called it out. I think this is a test he should pass, and basically that's 100% due to wrestling. Jing Lang Lee is, is a very good fighter. Um, I'm just looking back on his record. I'm trying, and again, I have not taped this, but if I could guess, his loss um, – his lost three fights ago to. What the hell, I, lost I mean, his nickname is the Le the Leech. You would think he'd be a good grappler, right? With a nickname like that, doesn't that kind of insinuate that you're kind of latched onto someone? It does. Yeah, I guess he lost to Neil Magny. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember Neil that. Neil Magny fight. like ragdolled him. Right. Exactly. So if Neil Magny is ragdolling him to a decision loss, you gotta imagine Shemaev is going to be able to do something similar. You know, Shane Lee Lee's going to prepare for it, right? But, man, wrestling, it doesn't matter how good you are, how skilled you are. If you have uh, a big gap in your wrestling ability compared to your opponent, unless you land that big shot, eventually over time, over three rounds, you're going to get taken down, you're going to get held down, and you're going to get beat up a little bit. So I think Shane Lang Lee will be tough. There's a chance for him to pull an upset off, but unfortunately I see him losing a decision. Or – Exposing comes at, you know, though there's that whole angle of the COVID stuff, you know, which, you know, I don't put a lot of hype into that. Um, I mean, not to down discredit what happened and all that, but you got to imagine he's come back, he's recovered. I'm sure it was a terrible time for him, but I, I, I don't know. I know as a fighter, when you're sick and you're like trying to train, it's like the most demoralizing feeling in the world. You're like, oh, I might never be good again. But then when you start feeling better, it's almost like, amplified how good you feel so he could be in that it could be like a like a not a wake-up call not like he was taking this moment for granted but he he felt like he almost lost all of this right. so now it's like if if he's like you mentioned he's feeling great he's gonna be even more focused you know to chase after his dreams so right be, i think i told the story one time the best fight i ever felt i got sick three weeks out 
and it was like a fever and I was still trying to train. And my coaches were like, dude, go home. You're, there's nothing you can do that's going to help right now. And I literally didn't do anything for almost a week. And it was in my head so bad. But as the as fight week came, like that rest and just whatever, the recovering from the flu, cold, whatever it was, I felt so good. So it, it could, there could be some of that involved too. So anyways, I think Comzat, well, I think Comzat is, is the pick, but I don't like those odds. If I were to put money on this, I'd take. And actually the odds now are um, minus, I think 560 is like the lowest. A lot of these moved big in the last Even 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He's going to just take him down 100 times probably, but I don't know. Yeah, minus uh, 520 is the best odds you can get right now. Yeah. 575, yeah. 590 now on one. Wow. Yeah, who spends yeah. that? That's just so crazy. Well, either way, I, I do think um, Les Moore is probably the monkey knife fight line. You could say less, less if you think he's absolutely just going to murder. Um, you know, the problem is Shimaev has fought three times in the UFC, and I think he's been punched twice. And I, at least that's what I saw somebody say. So, I mean, and, and we're thinking Jig Lang. Do you mind training with anybody that wrestles? Like, that's another big question. Uh, you know. I have to imagine he knows what's about to happen, and he's at least att attempting to prepare for it. So, we'll see what happens. I'm honestly looking forward to the fight because uh, I actually I want Chimayev to be really good. I want him to become a name, and we immediately have a name at welterweight that can do something. So, Hopefully he is the hype. I mean, and, honestly, uh, he's at that point where if he does something crazy right now, the way the welterweight division is, he'll get a title shot. <laughs> he could he could fight he could fight for the title. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC 267, we have a battle of the heavyweights. We have Alexander Volkov versus Marcin Tybora. Volkov 33 and 9 overall. Three and two in his last five, coming off of that decision loss to Sirogan. Martian Tybora, five and oh in his last five. Volkov, I mentioned, is coming off that loss to Sirogan, uh, which was pretty one sided, but I, I felt like he had his moments. I actually remember texting you, Jacob. I, I was watching it on my phone in the car, but I, I remember being like, this is kind of close. Volkov looks pretty good, at least earlier in the fight. Um, so he definitely had his moments. Skill-wise, Volkov is a high IQ fighter. He's fast and has volume. He picks his shots well, uh, and he will adapt in a fight. He does not have a ton of power, um, but his volume and his timing do suit him well enough to get some finishes. Uh, despite that last-minute loss to Derek Lewis, he does have a pretty good chin, and he is a pretty durable guy. <clears throat> and speaking of durable... Uh, Marcin Tybora, also very durable. Uh, he's a grinder. He never quits, and he's busy everywhere. His striking is just okay, and he's more of a uh, punches-in-bunches kind of guy. He's just going to throw a bunch of crap at you, not really set it up, not look to make it clean. He's just going to throw a whole bunch of it at you uh, and see what happens. But uh, And his strikes are really there just to set up his takedowns. If he gets a takedown, he'll pound on you till you quit. He doesn't really need to look for submissions. Uh and because Volkov is a far superior striker, this absolutely becomes a striker versus grappler matchup. And if we dig into those stats a little bit, Volkov has a 67% takedown defense against Tybora's 45% takedown offense. I do think this fight is going to be a little closer than these odds, um, but Tybora is going to need to 
abandon his body locks because those are the takedowns he uses uh, and look for traditional doubles and singles and shoot normal shots on a taller guy. Body locks on somebody as tall as Volkov are not going to work. Tybor is going to have to lower his level, get to those legs, and try to get a takedown from there. I think it's closer than the odds say, but I do think it's a pretty straightforward win for Volkov. I'll let you go, Jakey Poo. Yeah, I actually agree because I, I when I was picking this fight, I didn't, I didn't see the odds. I was like, yeah, I, I think Volkov should probably win, but it's just kind of one of those weird fights where Tabora wins fights sometimes he shouldn't win. Like that Walt Harris fight, he was getting absolutely beat on, and then Walt Harris just gassed himself on, and then he flipped it around and, and TKO'd uh, Walt Harris. But he doesn't really have the the heavyweight power per se, and I think that's gonna he's going to struggle here against Volkov in this matchup because Volkov has the range. He knows how to use that range with his kickboxing. And you mentioned the Gon fight. That's probably the best anyone has even looked against Gon. Uh, went five rounds and had his moments. Never really had Gon in trouble, but he he looked decent. If you look at his last three or his last three losses, one was to Gon, one was to Curtis Blade. So he gets laid on for five or for five rounds. And then the Derek Lewis fight, which was he was dominating into the last fifteen seconds. So the crazy part for me is honestly Volkov, in my mind, for whatever reason, seems like an old guy. I think just because he's been fighting so often, he just seems like he's like 37, 38 on his way out. He had a little run, but now he's just going to kind of fade off. The guy's only 33 years old. This could still be the prime of his career. It should be the prime of his career. I think he gets the job done against uh, Tybora. I think he gets it done kind of boring, but pretty easily for him um, and just kind of a distant striking match. Um, so I like Volkov in this matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. Obviously, we, we agree with that pick. And and I do think it's sort of a goes-the-distance type fight because Volkov doesn't really have that knockout power. Marcin Tibor, a super tough guy. So I, I may – I never do these specific props, but I may do Alexander Volkov by decision, and maybe I'll get better odds than the minus 300 we have here. Danny Boy, it looked like you were back on the phone with American Airlines. Are you off? No, they just keep t checking in with me to tell me I'm still on hold. So it's very strange. Um, very polite of them. What's that? It was, it's for, very polite of them. I mean, you're right. It actually is. Uh, there's nothing worse than sitting there and wondering if they're ever going to come back. Um, no, yeah, I, I think Volkov is the pick, right? He's, like you said, he's a high IQ fighter. The range is going to be a problem for Tybura. And to be honest, I, you know, Tybura has gotten fights to the ground. But I've just never seen him do it really in a way. I mean, I'm looking back on some of my notes from previous fights. He's never really looked great doing it. And Volkov is good enough to where, unless you're like a, a pretty good wrestler, you're not going to like flop him to the ground in some weird, you know, makeshift takedown, right? So I think Tybura is going to have a tough time truly getting him down. And Volkov is just going to pick him apart. Um, so that's the pick. I think you're right, Jake. I think it's going to be a bit of a... You know, jab and move, one, two. Tybur is going to hold him a little bit. Volkov's going to separate. Lance pick some shots. I, I don't know that it's going to be an extremely exciting fight, but I think Volkov is the the, the pick, probably by decision, because um, Tybur is pretty tough. So, yeah, I think that one's – I think it's a pretty clear-cut Volkov win by decision uh, pick. Yeah, and I mentioned I might grab that prop. I'll have to see what the odds are specifically – on that prop. I don't think I'm going to do Volkov and DraftKings because outside of the 30 win points, you know, for winning a decision, it's just going to be strikes and, and those don't score well. This may be a, he <clears throat> wins a 30, 27 unanimous decision and scored like 50, 50 points. points in DraftKings. Yeah. 
Um, monkey knife fight is interesting though, because it could be a lot of strikes or it could be very few, even though it goes to a decision. So I, this may be a weird, less, less, even though it goes three rounds type fight, but the safer play is probably more and more with, uh, Volkov dancing around Marcin charging in, hitting the body with stupid little shots while he's looking for weird, as you said, Dan makeshift takedowns. So more and more is probably the safe play with monkey knife fights. What do you think there, Jake? Yeah, I agree with that. That's fine with me. I agree. Oh, super useful. We want picks.com slash MKF. They will give you an instant deposit match of $100. And all you need to do is say more or less on these strike lines and you can two and a half times your money, triple your money, even 25 times your money. If you string a few of those things together. Next up. At UFC 267, we have Islam Makachev versus late replacement Dan Hooker. Islam, 20-1 and one overall in his career, 5-0 and oh in his last five. Dan Hooker, 21-10 and 10 in his career, 3-2 and two in his last five. This was supposed to be Islam versus Rafael Dos Anjos, but uh, uh, RDA pulled out with an injury. Uh, so when will when will the jet be here? Hey, Stu. Oh, this idiot. Oh, the uh, the jet will be here. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. So I'll just sit here while you. Okay. Very clever, Jacob. Very clever. So it was supposed that was to a be- little two bird two birds with one stone there, huh? Yeah, and then he walked off. Look at him. Anyway, Islam was supposed to fight RDA. RDA pulled out due to injury. Dan Hooker is coming off that really nice win over Nazrat Hakparast where he added wrestling to his game plan out of nowhere. Um, And while these are very different opponents for Islam, I'm not sure if that matters at all. Uh, Islam's an insane wrestler. Uh, He's got really good hands. His grappling is aggressive. He's always looking to advance, um, punish, or finish. He doesn't just camp out looking for a decision win. Jacob, you mentioned in an interview we saw, I think with Javier Mendez, um, that the only time they ever see Khabib lose rounds in the gym was against Islam. Islam's the only person that could do that to Khabib. And with all that said, uh, I, I think he would absolutely lose a technical striking match with Dan Hooker. So he does need to get this to the ground, but uh, you know, I don't know why it would be a technical striking match because Islam could take anybody down whenever he wants to. Dan Hooker, very, very good striker with an enormous amount of heart. He's a rangy kickboxer. He uses kicks really well to manage that distance. Uh, in his last fight against Nazareth, I mentioned we saw him work in wrestling, and those takedowns looked really good. They were out of nowhere. They were set up well, and they were effective. Uh, I think the KO loss to Michael Chandler sort of forced him to add the wrestling and add other layers to his um, you know, to his career, to his game plans. Uh, the unfortunate reality is that Islam can take Dan down at will and could absolutely control this fight from there. Uh, Ali, and that's Ali Abdelaziz, Islam's manager, was 100% correct when he said Dan's only chance is a lucky punch. And obviously it wouldn't be lucky because that's literally Dan Hooker's game plan, but his only path is to somehow keep this standing, crack Islam, and... Yeah, pray to God something happens there. If there's a bet here, 
It's Dan Hooker inside the distance, but decision, no action, because we have seen with the Poirier fight, with the Felder fight, how ridiculously tough Dan Hooker is. And it is possible that Dan Hooker could maybe knock out Islam. We've seen it happen one time before. And if he doesn't knock out Islam, can he survive? What do you think, Jacob? Could he survive and not get finished in this fight? This is a bad matchup for me to pick because I'm biased on both sides. I absolutely love Islam. Islam is my dude. And he is like, I can't wait until he gets better. He's going to keep winning until he's a champion. He's going to get better and better English. And his comedy is so funny. He's one of the funniest dudes. Watch interactions with him. It can be when they're wrestling and stuff. He is the funniest dude in the world. I absolutely love Islam. I love his skill set. Dan Hooker, I love as a person. I don't think he's that good of a fighter. I think he's very good. Obviously, he's a little bit better than me, but as like a top, I don't think he's one of those top level guys. I, I think he got a little, he got a hot streak. He's tough as shit, but as like a complete fighter, I just don't think he's there as a top level guy. That's why you see him losing lately. Um, you know, I think he gets absolutely rolled over in this fight against Islam. As you mentioned, the one punch has happened before to Islam. It could happen again. But Islam should absolutely dominate this fight. I, I agree with the 650 odds, uh, even ballooned as they are, which is actually pretty disrespectful to Hooker too. But I agree <laughs> with them. Um, I'm all Islam all the way. What do you What do you think, Dan? Do you think Dan Hooker is a decent candidate for wins inside the distance, decision, no action, or can he probably not survive? Listen, I th I, I disagree, uh, Jacob, that he's not a good fighter. Listen, I think he's good. I think he's tough. He's skilled. I mean, look at the war. I he's he was better in. than me. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and you and you didn't see it, but I had incredible takedown event. If you guys didn't know, Angelo tried to take me oh, down. I heard all about this. I, I mean, destroyed a table, about. knocked a waitress over the railing, and I was on my feet. So, a Angelo's still uh, still glowing after uh, Glover said that he had good uh, wrestling technique. Glover but said I, I, think, I beat you in a wrestling match. Angela, we talk about this all the time. We've already got it figured out. We're going to do it in his gym. Whenever uh, you're like the guy from Inspector Gadget, you haven't moved from that chair. In who's <laughs> you're like Doctor? What, what's his name? Yeah, with the, cat, right? the yeah. cat. As soon as you start getting some blood flowing through there, and you start working out a little bit, then we'll talk about a wrestling match. Um, until then, just keep petting that cat. Um, no, yeah, I think in this fight, I think. Uh, Man, it's the same thing as the last one. Like, Hooker's good. He's got skills. But wrestling, if you can't defend wrestling, you're hoping for a big shot. And it could happen, but realistically, probably won't, you know? Um, and, so, you mentioned, and you mentioned, too, about there's there's levels to wrestling. And this is, like, the top. We're, we've reached the top here with wrestling as far as, like, you can have good takedown defense and you're still going to get taken down. Right, yeah. Now they're, they're saying that now that Khabib's gone, he's probably the rest, the best wrestler in the UFC. A lot of people have been saying that. So um, and he out wrestled Khabib at times. Yeah, I've seen some some videos where it's like they, I think DC did it where they do like what's his show called where he breaks down the technique and it's like three different transitions of chain wrestling. Like he goes for the first, doesn't get it. Goes for the second, doesn't get it. And it's, it's like the first one's a shot, the second one's Greco, the third one's a trip. Like the guy's got so many different variations and different um, – And there's no thought behind him. It's just all boom, 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 boom. 
He's not. So it's just repetition, repetition, drilling, drilling, probably since he was three years old. So, yeah, he's the pick. But, I mean, again, man, these odds are just – they make you want to put a little something on Hooker and hope he lands a big flying knee or, you know, he throws some wild stuff. I'm sure he knows what he's in for, right? So, when he does get that space, you got to imagine he's going to go for something big. So, well, and that's why I mentioned wins inside the distance, decision, no action. We've seen Dan Hooker be tough as hell. And if he can survive, you'll get plus money on that for and, sure. And, th- and this is a – I mean, as Dan, as a person, this is a win-win for him, right? He gets to go to Abu Dhabi. He takes a short-notice fight. He saves the fight. Everyone loves him. And he's supposed to lose, right? He's a huge, huge underdog. So if he loses, you know that's what happens. But if he wins, this is a huge, huge moment and opportunity for him. I'm just looking back on his fights. When has he fought a wrestler? <laughs> When's the last time he fought a wrestler? Yeah. Chandler, okay, but Chandler knocked him out. Um, no, I know. And and look what Dober Islam burned. did to Drew Dober. Who, and Drew Dober hits harder than Dan Hooker does. And look what he did to him. He knocked out Gilbert Burns, but Gilbert Burns isn't really a wrestler. He's just a grappler. Yeah, that's not, I mean, that's and that was too – I mean, first of all, it's not even the same caliber realm of wrestling, right? So it's like – not only has he not fought really a true wrestler lately, I mean, there's an ally Clinton there if you want to say that, but like this guy's one of the best wrestlers in the UFC. So it's going to be a tough matchup for him unless uh, unless he's got some tricks up his sleeve that we don't know about. But I think uh, Islam's going to get. I hope he does. Lots of you know. upper cups and knees. So it's a fight. Um, it can happen, but. I don't think I have ever seen somebody ninety six hundred dollars in DraftKings ever. So there's been, I, I, I think, I, I think Nunez was 97 at one, uh, one of her fights. I, it just feels yeah, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Nunez was $9,700. Oh, well, I, Islam's pretty much a lock. I might do the inside the distance decision, no action bet on Dan Hooker, just hoping maybe he gets a knockout. And if he just loses a really bad decision, I'll get a refund. We on picks.com slash bets if you want to hop into that. Um, DraftKings, $9,600 is so much money, but it's basically a guaranteed win. If you think there's a stoppage, you almost got to do it. But honestly, I mentioned this before. There are so many dominant wrestlers at that high 8,000, low 9,000 range. Save 400 bucks and go for one of them. Uh, and then Monkey Knight fight. Dan Hooker's so tough. Uh, it's got to be more and more, right? He's just so freaking tough. I-, I think he can make this last and just He's just, he knows he's going to get taken down. So he's I think tough. He's just- I mean, there's a difference between being tough in striking and, as you mentioned, being tough on your back when there's Islam's elbows hitting you in the face. I mean, he's still tough, but there's a difference between being able to kind of bob and weave and survive like that in a striking match compared to just being pinned down. And Yeah, but I think he knows he's going to get taken down. So instead of defending the takedowns, I think he's going to come out here, throw with a ton of volume, try to touch him as many times as he can. And we're talking monkey knife fight. So it's just, the only thing that matters is, is he going to land more than 58 strikes in that fight? I think he can. I played less, less. All right. Danny? Um, I don't know. Less, less, I guess. I mean, the reality is Islam's got more finishes than he does decisions. Yeah. That's another kind of, uh, you know, he's got the ability to sub. I don't know if he's going to TKO hooker, but he could tire him out in that second, third round and get a sub, rear naked, arm triangle, something like that. So. It's that level of pressure where it's like forces the best guys to kind of just give up and be like, all right, take it. Take my arm, take my whatever. Just get me out of here. Yeah, I mean, it should, it should be one-sided. So the pick is clear. Maybe there's some action here. Maybe there isn't. We'll see what happens. 
Next up, at UFC 267, we have the co-main event and one of two title fights. We have Peter Jan versus Corey Sanhagen for the bantamweight interim, even though it shouldn't be, interim title. Peter Jan, uh, 15 and two overall, four and one in his last five, but he's coming off of that DQ loss to Aljamain Sterling that he was dominating that fight, DQ, count it if you want, it really shouldn't. Corey Sanhagen, 14 and three overall, Three and two in his last five, coming off of that split decision loss. Neither one of these guys lost their last fight. Yeah, you could argue that. Uh, Corey Sanhagen split decision to TJ. I thought TJ won, so it is what it is. Anyway, um, stat-wise, before I break down the fighters, if you look at their stats, they're basically identical. Both land six strikes for every four that they take, and both guys have... 60% 60% striking defense with a 50% striking offense. And I was surprised when I saw that because I expected Peter to be far more dominant in his striking, at least stat-wise. Jan is a phenomenal striker with fantastic takedown defense. He's a nightmare for anyone that can't outstrike him, which is pretty much everybody. Uh, he plots forward with a Muay Thai, like just a high guard, comes marching forward, and then blasts away with power, with accuracy, and to cap all of that off, he's a good grappler. He averages more than two takedowns per fight. Um, but then taking him down is almost impossible because he has a 90% takedown defense over eight UFC fights. Corey Sanhagen, very active striker. He has deceiving power. I mean, he looks like a little skinny beta boy, and he's got legitimate power, very good striking technique. He's fluid, he's fast. He has nice combinations and solid variety. He will throw punches, kicks, elbows, knees, and just mix it all up really well. And where they land, body, head, leg, he's very, very versatile on his feet. He's athletic, he's tough, uh, and he ties it all out with solid BJJ. A lot of people argue, like Jacob just did, uh, that he won his fight against TJ Dillashaw. Regardless of what side you're on, I think we can all agree he is dangerous, he's tough, and he is a much harder opponent than a rematch with Aljamain Sterling would have been. If you want to do the MMA math, yeah, Aljamain beat Corey, but styles make fights, and Corey does not have great takedown defense, which is how Aljamain beat him, but I don't think that's a factor in this fight. I don't think it matters. Uh, Peter's the pick uh, because he's a better striker. He has the takedown defense to keep it standing. But Corey's range is going to be a problem here. His his toughness might frustrate Peter. I could even see Corey winning some of those exchanges and sort of forcing Peter to wrestle. Uh, in my mind, this is honestly not razor thin, but, but much closer than these odds. Um, and I'm probably going to do in three-round fights, I talk about plus three-and-a-half, where you buy three-and-a-half points on the judges' scorecards. In five-round fights, it's plus five and a half. You get a couple extra points. I might do that, and I just need Corey to win a round and a half or two round, whatever it is, uh, and he can he can uh, get me paid. What do you think there, Jakey? I think I, you, you kind of touched on it, and I think it's going to be a big, big factor in this fight is Corey's length. This dude is tall. He is lengthy, and he uses his length with kicks, with jabs, with, with straights. I think I think Peter's gonna have some real real issues um, with Corey's length here, man. And I I, I love Corey, and I'm, I will admit I'm a little bit biased 
because I have a Corsi Hagen autographed card that I'm really hoping he wins the title, and that value just skyrockets because I accidentally bought his card on accident. It was uh, it was like $100. I thought I was getting like 50 cards. It was one card. Corsi Hagen, you could do this, man. Do it for me. Do it for my kids' college funds. I need to sell that card. So I like Corey in this matchup. You thought you were getting 50 Corey Sanhagen cards? <laughs> I thought I was going to get 50 Dan Kramer cards, and they sent me Corey Sanhagen. I don't know what's going on there. but um, yeah, They're listen. all out. They, they sold out. They've been in high demand lately. Uh, no, they don't. I literally do have 50 Dan 50? Kramer cards that Jesse Cohea, that Jesse from our member list, sent us 50 of them. Boom. So that's you and your there you stupid. Go. Wow. That was those are the fifty I tried to order, and I got I got Corey Sandhagen. But listen, uh, that's that least worse than least a million dollars. Got to be 50, 50 of those. I mean, they were going three seventy five, three dollars seventy five cents for a long time yeah, on eBay. Turn those into an NFT, a Dan Kramer all, NFT. Yeah, I think they got to be at least six dollars now. They got to be Dan Kramer NFT. I'll pay hundred grand for that, no problem. <laughs> but I, I, I like listen. Jan is is was the champ for a reason. He he was gonna win that fight versus Sterling. Uh, he is very very good. I just honestly think that Corey has those abilities, and his length is gonna be an issue for Jan. I I, I think Jan wants to get in there tight, and I don't think he's gonna be able to against Corey. So I like Corey. He can't get taken down though, man, because he is good as jujitsu, and sometimes he will get taken down. Uh, he lost that Sterling fight because it was so early in the fight that they were both dry, and Sterling just got his back and sunk it in. Um, Corey cannot get taken down, man. Do not get taken down. Please don't get taken down and just win this on the feet because I think that he can. Danny boy, uh, Peter is an American top team guy. You're an American top team guy. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he's down there now. He did a couple camps here throughout COVID. Um, I don't think he's been there in a little while, but I've heard he's a good dude. I heard he trains hard. Um, this is one of those fights where, like you said, Styles makes fights, right? Like Corey Sanhagen is a weird matchup. He's tough. He's lanky. He throws those, you know, low percentage shots, but he can catch you with them, you know, the low percentage shots that finish you, the spinning kicks, all that stuff. So, um you know, I, I could see that being a factor. I think he's. I think this is definitely way closer than the odds say. Uh, I think Corey Sanhagen is definitely live in this fight. But man, Peter Yan is one of those guys where it's like you watch him, and it's like he doesn't. I feel like you watch him, and it's like, oh, he doesn't do anything that special. Someone's going to be better than him. But he, it's just a machine. He just comes forward, and and it's just. I don't want to say fundamentals, but his skills are just. Uh, you know, it's like I want to say basic and fundamental, but it's it's like a discredit to how good he is. He just comes forward, he finds shots, and he's one of those guys where it's like I find reasons to be like, ah, oh, he's not that good. He's you know, someone's gonna get him, and then he just keeps winning, keeps winning, doing it the same way. And I will I will say that in that in that fight versus Sterling, Jan did not chase Sterling to the ground. He's supposed to be a better wrestler. He probably is a better wrestler than Sterling, but Sterling also very good with his jujitsu. Every time Sterling went to the ground, there was like those weird, like kind of dump takedowns. He did not chase Sterling to the ground. He didn't want any part of that. So it'll be interesting to see if he does the same thing versus Corey with. I mean, Corey's even a longer guy, very good at jujitsu. Maybe he doesn't want to play around with that stuff and just tries to win a striking battle. And I think he loses that to Corey. Yeah. I, I think the first few rounds are going to be close with Sanhagen probably measuring the distance, controlling the pace. But I think over time, Jan is going to walk him down. Um, and, I like the plus five and a half bet, Angelo, because I, I, I do see this being a lot closer than people think. I, I see Sanhagen potentially stealing some rounds, and he's always live for one of those crazy spin kicks or, or knees. So 
Um, I think he's live in this fight. I, I certainly like him in DraftKings at 7,400 in a five-round fight. Yeah, and it should go five rounds realistically. Um, and, and you know, like TJ Dillasaw was, is a much different fighter than Peter is. So TJ gave Corey a hard time because of the threat of the takedowns. I don't think Peter's really going to threaten those, so Corey can settle into that long, crazy striking. I do think Peter wins, but I think it's super close, and uh, I'm probably near that plus five and a half on Corey. Monkey night fight, I, I think it's more and more. I think it's just straight-up striking the entire fight, 25 minutes of striking. So I got to go more and more there, and I agree. Either one of these guys, whatever side you're on, either one of these guys are priced well. Because Peter Yan will put up some numbers, could get a finish, 8800 bucks. Corey Sandhagen, $7,400, five rounds, could potentially win. I, I think he's priced well, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at Sandhagen's losses. It's, like you said, Dillashaw, the fight where he arguably won at wrestling, and then the Algerine fight, which, whatever, he made a mistake and gave his back up in, in a, minute, a minute into the fight and got choked out. But other than that, man, he has beaten some good guys. Marlon Moraes, Frankie Edgar, Rafael Sunciao, John Lineker. So I don't know. I, I think uh, I think this is definitely going to be a lot closer than uh, than the outset. Yeah, it'll be interesting. If you want to grab that plus five and a half bet, all that means is you are buying five and a half points on the judges' scorecard. So Corey Sanhagen, I think the math works out to he has to win one and a half rounds. So he has to a little more on that, but what's the line on that? Do you know? Do you have in front of you? I don't know yet. Uh, all the judges have to give him one round, and then they can give him a few other points here and there, and you hit your bet. So I'm good with that. I'm going to check those odds. That might that'll probably be even money, honestly, and I'll take even money uh, to let Corey lose a decision, but win me. A Angelo, bet. before we finish, we I have to tell my story about how I got my passport that, you know, I know you want to hear all about since you were very um, critical of my abilities to get it done. So I'd love to tell that story whenever you're ready. But how about ahead. we finish this? And then uh, we'll I, Cause I know you're going to edit it out at the end, you know, you're the, the editor. All right. So <laughs> anyway, we want picks.com slash bets, jump into a promo, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you $50 Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, however you want it, as a thank you for supporting the channel. Danny boy, tell your stupid story, and then we'll break down this. <laughs> oh, my God, right into, the, right into the main event. That's a lot of pressure. All right. Uh, you know, this is one of those. Now the lead-up is just not there. I wish we bet money because it would be that much more enjoyable. But, um, yeah, Angelo basically said there was no chance I was getting a passport to go see this fight. What is this, two weeks ago we talked, right? It was last week during the interview with Glover. Oh, okay. So last week, yeah, I still didn't have a passport. I didn't have an appointment. So I was like, I'll figure it out. Went down there yesterday, no appointment because you can't get them. You try calling the passport agency, you sit on hold for, you know, days basically. So I showed up. I finagled my way in between appointments. They're like, all right, we'll squeeze you in. Every printer in the whole building went down. I was like, no way. People are flipping out, yelling, swearing. They're like, listen, we don't even have an appointment that we can reschedule you for tomorrow. And there's going to be double the amount of people here. So some lady's like, hey, I have a friend at Marco that works as an assistant at Marco Rubio's uh, uh, office. You can reach out to her. Maybe she can help. So I reached out. This lady, Lily, shout out to Lily. 
She was unbelievable. Her and her team of people, I swear to God, they I they followed up with me four or five times, filled out forms, sent things out, and they got me a last-minute appointment today uh, at the passport agency. And I literally got my passport at like 3.30 p.m. today. So shout out to Lily and Angelo. You were wrong. I don't know if we bet money. I wish we did because you're paying me right now. So Glover, I'll see you in a couple of days. Beat this guy. All right. Anyway, next up at UFC 267. Next up. Next up. Next up. At UFC 267, we have Jan Blahovich versus Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight championship of the world. I will do a quick breakdown, and then, Dan, I'm going to hand it to you because Glover's legit your best friend. He was in your wedding. You're flying out to Abu Dhabi to watch him support him, so I'll let you have first crack at this breakdown. So Jan Blahovich, 28 and 8 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five, coming off a successful title defense against Israel Adesanya. Glover Teixeira, 32 and 7 in his career, 5 and 0 in his last five with a wild career resurgence. Danny Boy, your best friends with him in real life. Why don't you break down this fight, understanding that you're biased, but do your best. To not me. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely completely biased. You know, listen, I'll be honest. I am like so pumped for this guy, and whatever. I'll I'll spare everybody the uh, the dramatic story, but like talk about a guy who deserves to win the title. He's gotten there by literally his skills and winning fights. No trash talk, no hype, not any of the other stuff that. And I'm not against that stuff. Listen, it works. People do it, and then they back it up with skills, but. He has done it humbly. He has done it um, just by winning fights and, and having skills. So couldn't be happier for this dude. I mean, forty. he's going to be 42 in a couple days. It's insane that he's got another title shot. You know, he fought John Jones back in 2014, went to a decision. After that, had some bumps in the road, right? People thought he was done. And then, man, he went on a tear. So, uh I hope he wins. I, th- I think out of all the fights in the division, not all the fights in the division, but I think this is a winnable fight for him. I really do. Um, I think it's a tough fight, obviously, right? Uh, Jan's the champ. I think it's a good matchup for him, though. I think he's got ways to win. Um, I think if he executes a game plan and it works, I think I think he's going to win this fight. Um, and I think the way he does it is on the ground, right? Like striking-wise, I think – Let's just say for for argument's sake, it's 50-50. But Jan's got a ton of power. Glover also has a ton of power. I would argue that let's not go with the 50-50 and see who hit lands the big shot first, and let's try to get it to the ground. So I think if Glover is wrestling, staying in his face, clinching up against the cage, making it ugly early, I think he will find a way to get it to the ground, and I think from there he'll dominate. He is one of the heaviest strongest dudes when it comes to grappling um and that's not just for me other ask people who have trained with him on the ground he is freaking heavy on top and once he gets you there it's you can't move that i mean my favorite thing used to be to get up from underneath people when they were when they took me down it was a freaking different thing with him and and i trained with heavyweights light heavyweights so i'm hoping he can get it to the ground using his wrestling i think the striking is going to be competitive um, Glover's been training with uh, 
uh, Alex uh, Politan. So he's been he's been working and striking like crazy. He's been focused. He's been eating good. He's been living a very very good lifestyle for a while now. So uh, I think we're going to see the best form of him at 42 years old, which is crazy to say. And uh, I think he can win via third round submission, ground and pound, third, fourth round submission, ground and pound. If he gets his way on the ground, he starts getting it there often. I don't think Jan's going to be able to survive that pressure. So that's uh, my bias pick, but also I think it's a realistic pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with you for the most part. I mean, obviously, obviously yeah. somebody's volume is super I'm obviously also there. It is Dan. I'm also biased. Obviously, I know I know Glover well. Dan and I are both from Connecticut. Glover's been in Connecticut for 22 years or whatever it is. Um, but if we break down this fight and we talk about their skills, Jan and Glover are are very very similar fighters. And and if you know that movie Gemini with Will Smith, where he's just fighting the younger version of himself, that's basically this. They're very similar. And you might think they are worlds apart in age, but Jan is 39. I thought for sure Jan was like 33, 32. He is 39 years old and Glover is 42. So yeah, Glover is past that unfortunate 40-year-old hurdle in MMA, but Jan isn't too far behind him. Both of these guys hit incredibly hard. Both of these guys have solid wrestling. Both of these guys have entire careers worth of experience. Both of them are very dangerous. If I am separating them, I'll say that Jan likely has the better chin, but Glover has proven that his chin and his heart combined will get him through almost any storm. Watch the Tiago Santos fight, right? <clears throat> Tiago Santos lit him up, dropped him, gave him some real trouble, and Glover gritted his way through, got the takedown, and then won from there. Um, Jan will probably be a little faster, but Glover will have the far superior wrestling and far superior BJJ. This entire fight, in my opinion, comes down to Glover's chin. If he can take some of those Jan punches on his way in for wrestling takedowns, I, I think it's his fight. Because Jan is not going to be able to compete with the takedowns, with the jiu-jitsu. But he's going to have to take some shots on the way in. So it, it's, it's definitely a, an uphill battle. The odds are probably correct here, just given Jan's power and his chin's been pretty stable and Glover's over 40, but Glover's got two paths to victory, and I feel like Jan only has one. Jacob, you're you're the outsider here, meaning you you know, you never met the guy, you don't have any vested interest other than through us. What do you think? Yeah, the only uh, non-biased opinion. And um, listen, I, I'll be rooting for Glover. I think everyone's going to be. I think the majority of people will probably be rooting for Glover. I don't know him personally, but you guys talk about him. He seems like the greatest dude in the world, the most positive guy in the world. So I definitely hope he wins. My issue is he, he just he gets hit too much. He honestly just gets hit too much. And there's YouTube videos of him. Literally, it's just every fight. of I think it's titled like Glover almost getting knocked out and coming back to win which is great when you can do it, but eventually you're not going to be able to do it. And he's done it so often. He, you know, he's down that Kuta Lava fight. He was down, you know, even against Anthony Smith, he's getting hit. And then he comes back and just dominates that fight. Um, I just don't, I think against Jan, you, you just can't get hit, man. And I think Glover just gets hit too much. I hope he wins. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but if I'm making an unbiased pick, I'm, I'm picking Jan in this fight. 
It's yeah. funny. I'm just looking back on Jan's record. I'm like, all right, who is he, you know, wrestling wise? All right, Corey Anderson, but he won that pretty early. And I got to go back and rewatch this. But the Jacare Souza fight won via split decision. And if I'm remembering that right, it was a lot of against the cage stuff. But I'm just, I, I want to go back and see his wrestling defense and just see how, how good it is. But he really hasn't fought people, at least in the last, well, I guess Corey Anderson. Um, but that fight in it early. So, I, I mean, I don't think he's faced somebody who's trying to take him down. And and I don't know that that's what Glover's going to yeah, do. Cor- I think Corey Glover's Anderson was 0 for, 0 for 0 in takedown attempts. Right. So he didn't even get the ticket. Cruiser was takedown. 0 for 5 in that Who fight. was 0 for 5? Ronaldo was 0 for 5. Jacare. And his takedown defense is listed at 65%. But listen, Jan also has his own. Luke Rockhold was 0 for 5. You could, yeah, but that was like an over the hill Luke Rockhold. But you can, you know, Jan, Jan should win. Jan should win. Like we don't want him to, but he should, right? But Jan has his own chin issues, right? We watched Tiago Santos put him out, who's basically an 85 pounder. And, you know, Glover weathered that exact same storm. So it, uh, what I am confident in is the monkey knife fight line will probably be less, less. Because 108 strikes, if Jan hits Glover's head 108 times, that's going to be a, a, a rough night. So I, I'm i also biased, so it's a hard pick. Jacob's the only non-biased one here. Jan should win, should have a better chin, probably has a little bit more power, but Glover's got the grappling, also has his own power. Um, so it should be an awesome fight. My only complaint is that it's at like freaking two o'clock in the afternoon or some nonsense like that. Yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest. I may be biased, but man, I just I I'm like looking back, and I gotta watch the tape before I say too much. But like, I don't know. I don't know that Jan's truly been tested, taken down on the ground with somebody like Glover before. And I feel like, you know, I want to look in where he's training, who he's training with, but. Man, if you if you haven't done that and felt that, it's a different you know. And you know, Glover's got the experience that like, you know, the the videos you reference, Jacob, right? Him getting hurt and coming back, right? Like you're right. He probably shouldn't be getting hurt. That his luck will run out eventually. But one thing I think that really speaks to is the veteran savviness, like that he can get hurt and knows. All right, I got to get in on a leg, or I got to scramble and get to the ground, like. That sort of knowledge and skill is priceless in a fight like this where he could get hurt. He could get tagged. Um, but, man, I just think it's like uh, the Kuzalaba fight. When they got to the ground, it was like, okay, this fight's over. Uh, the other Russian guy he fought, too, got to the ground. It's like, well, this is over. This is a mismatch now. It's like it keeps happening in all these fights. These guys are so good. As soon as they get to the ground, it looks like they shouldn't even be there. Like Anthony Smith, same thing. It looks like he shouldn't even have been there. Once they got to the ground. So I'm interested to see if this fight goes to the ground, what it looks like. I feel like it could be the same thing. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is a mismatch. Um, I just hope it gets there, you know. And I think I think it's super disrespectful to Glover to only talk about Jan's power because I think the power is even. When Glover hits people, man, he hits him and he hits him hard. I think the power is a, a wash in this fight. Yeah. Yeah, it, it should be a really exciting one. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Don't forget, it is an early card, but it's not a pay-per-view. It is free. It's numbered, but it is free. You don't need to buy this one. 
You'll get on ESPN Plus for absolutely nothing. We want picks.com. Grab a promo. If you do a betting promo, we want picks.com slash bets. Reach out to me. Let me know after you make a deposit, and I will send you $50 cash app Venmo, literally however you want it. I've paid a bunch of people out already. Let me know. I'll get you paid. Make a deposit. Support us. Support our partners. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to live stream this weekend. Maybe Jacob and I can when we're watching the fights, but it crap is in the middle of the freaking day. Either way, thank you, everybody. Danny Boy, congrats on your passport. Oh, and, uh, congrats. Yeah, I still do. I'm just realizing now there's like with my layover in London, I think I got to get a COVID test tomorrow morning that's available. To, I don't know. There's so much stuff going on. That's why I'm emailing the UFC to figure out all the protocols. So anybody who's got some tips on international travel with COVID, please send them to, uh, I don't know, send them to our email. Angelo, please send them forward to today. <laughs> Either way, thank you all very much for the watch. You guys are going crazy in the live chat. Just continue that discussion at the Discord channel. Same back and forth. Pinpoint. Bounce off each other, whatever you want to do. Link in the description. We'll try to see you on Saturday.